0: It's Saturday the 24th of June, it's Mike in for Jamie, and this was a week that saw Boris get banned from the Commons, more misery for mortgage holders, the titanic sub-search ending tragedy, and Nicola Coughlin teasing Bridgerton season three. Grab a cup of something hot, put up your feet, and get up to speed on the seven biggest stories of the week. This is the Standout 7 from the Smart 7. It's news, but not the news. With the Partygate inquiry vote before the Commons on Monday evening, it wasn't really surprising that a new video of a Partygate party at Tory HQ leaked over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Housing Secretary Michael Gove was once sent out to face the music as those who lost loved ones during the pandemic reacted with horror at the footage. I am sorry. And I do apologise, unreservedly. This particular event, I think, led to an investigation that's already happened. The BBC let noted historian Simon Sharma put the video and the Tory pandemic parting into context. It seemed to be so feckless, so irresponsible, and the completely amoral delivery of let the little people suffer. Just pour another glass of Bulgarian burgundy and have done with it. Boris's former advisor, Samuel Kasumu was asked about his ex-boss's legacy and he may well have come up with something we can all agree on. Boris Johnson's legacy is, of course, the vaccine deployment, but it's also some of the nonsense that happened. But it's completely possible to achieve great things and still be a bit of a knob. When the vote came up in the Commons, many Tory MPs failed to show up, including Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. After several hours of debate, the motion was passed, but the numbers told their own story. Bear in mind, there are 650 MPs in the House of Commons. The ayes to the right, 354. The noes to the left, seven. Shadow Shadow Leader of the House, Labour's Thangam Demonair, wasn't pulling any punches as she reminded the House of the hardship the nation went through during the pandemic. He was, as the committee said, the most prominent public promoter of those rules. So it is simply not credible for Johnson to repeatedly claim that they were complied with. This isn't just the reasonable person test, it's the who on earth do you think you are kidding test. And he fails both. The failure of many Tory MPs to turn up for the vote was no surprise, given that Tory leader and PM Rishi Sunak didn't even bother himself, in what will surely be seen as a sign of weak leadership and a failure to finally close the door on former PM Johnson. Officially, he was meeting the Swedish PM, but he made it quite clear earlier on Monday that he wasn't going to say thank you for the music, let alone face it. This is a matter for the House rather than for the government. It's an important distinction, and that's why I wouldn't want to influence anyone in advance of that vote. It wasn't a great week to be a mortgage holder. Wednesday saw the UK's headline rate of inflation stuck at 8.7%, and the core rate of inflation took an unexpected jump to 7.1%. Oh, and the UK's debt level climbed above its GDP for the first time since 1961. That set things up for a Bank of England rate rise on Thursday, but even in advance of that, Chancellor Jeremy Hunt was saying there was no prospect of any help for mortgage holders from the government. The one thing that would not help is to step in with short-term support that meant that inflation stayed higher for longer and those mortgage rates stayed higher for longer. With members of his advisory council suggesting the Bank of England actually needs to create a recession to curb inflation, things look grim for households. At p Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer said that all of the financial chaos and the jump in mortgage rates had been on the cards for some time and that Rishi had failed to tackle the problem. Now he was warned by experts about this as long ago as autumn last year but he either didn't get it, didn't believe it or didn't care, because he certainly didn't do anything. And with questions in the house about whether Rishi's been taking honesty lessons from Boris, the PM was keen to show off his report card. Not just the Bank of England, not just the OBR, not just the OECD, but also the IMF. All of them have upgraded their growth outlet for the United Kingdom economy. And we continue to be on track to keep reducing inflation because that is the right economic priority. Sure enough, Thursday saw the Bank of England raise rates by a full half point to five percent, bringing borrowing costs to their highest level in more than 15 years. It's the 13th rate rise in a row, but Prime Minister Rishi Sunak says there's nothing to worry about. I'm here to tell you that I am totally 100% on it and it is going to be okay and we are going to get through this. And that is the most important thing I wanted to let you know. He was speaking on an extremely awkward Twitter live stream from an IKEA in Kent. And immediately after his speech, the word patronising began trending on social media. Meanwhile, Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey says the economy is doing better than expected, despite inflation remaining four times over the 2% target. He also said people should stop asking for wage increases to keep up with soaring rates. We've got to get and we will get inflation back to its target. To do that, we cannot continue to have the current level of wage increases. And we can't have companies seeking to rebuild profit margins, which means prices continue to go up at their current rates. The long-awaited Covid inquiry was into the second week of public hearings, and Monday's key witness was a Prime Minister from what seems like a million years ago. Former PM David Cameron was in the witness box, giving evidence on his government's preparedness ahead of the pandemic. He admitted that during his time it was a mistake not to consider different types of diseases when preparing for future emergencies. During my time in office, there were investigations into SARS and MERS, but there wasn't one into a highly transmissible coronavirus-style pandemic like we had, and so these questions weren't asked. But when asked about whether he failed to prepare adequately, he doesn't accept that. Uh, there wasn't wholesale preparation and resilience, was there? No, I, I don't accept that because we set up a much superior architecture for looking at risks, for planning for risks. The COVID inquiry heard from more witnesses on Tuesday, including former Chief Medical Officer for England, Professor Dame Sally Davis, who apologised to victims and their families, even though she had asked for a preparedness report and was told SARS wouldn't come here. She left her role in 2019, but former Chancellor George Osborne was also testifying, said none of this could have been predicted. The idea that all of this could have been sort of forethought I don't think it's the case. You know, if the expert community had anticipated that there could be an, a pandemic that was not an influencer, then clearly we could have done certain things to prepare for those things in advance. Day eight of the COVID inquiry came to a close on Thursday with two big names and a familiar face or two stepping up to give evidence. England's Chief Medical Officer, Sir Chris Whitty and Chief Scientific Advisor, Sir Patrick Vallance. Sir Chris says much more could have been done in advance to prevent the spread. We did not give sufficient thought to what we could do to stop a pandemic on the scale of Covid or indeed any other pathogen that could realistically go there. I do think on the other hand it is sensible to have a plan for if everything fails what are we going to do. A two-day Ukraine recovery conference kicked off in London on Wednesday. PM Rishi Sunak opened the proceedings which saw NATO allies gather to support the embattled country. Rishi said Ukraine needs fast track support now to unleash its potential. Addressing the conference over Zoom, Ukrainian President Zelensky was grateful for the UK's support. Thank you for your kind words about Ukraine, about our soldiers, and thanks for your leadership and support in the UK provides to Ukraine. He also admitted the Ukrainian counteroffensive is going more slowly than desired, but said it's not a Hollywood movie, and the priority is to protect Ukrainian troops. The EU announced a new 11th package of sanctions on Russia and pledged 50 billion euros over the next three years to help rebuild the country. US Secretary of State Antony Blinken arrived in London fresh from his visit to China and he too had a contribution to Ukraine's recovery. As Russia continues to destroy, we are here to help Ukraine rebuild, rebuild its future. And today I'm announcing that with the support of the United States Congress, We will provide more than $1.3 billion in additional aid to help Ukraine toward that goal. Thursday brought some unnerving news from Ukraine. Less than three weeks after a major dam collapse which caused catastrophic flooding in the south of the country, it's thought another attack could be imminent. There's growing evidence Russia was responsible for the breach of the Kharkovka dam and now Ukrainian intelligence believes Moscow could be plotting a staged terrorist attack on the Zaporizhia nuclear plant, although the Kremlin's denying it. Here's Ukrainian President Zelensky making the announcement. We have just had a report from our intelligence and security service about the terrorist attack at the hydroelectric power plant that took place and another terrorist attack which unfortunately is being prepared by the Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhzhia nuclear power plant. And the director of the International Atomic Energy Agency, Rafael Grossi, says the impact of a nuclear attack would devastate more than just Ukraine. The idea here to be preserved is the nuclear safety of the plant, because this, if there is something there, no one will be spared. Still to come on the standout seven, the Titan sub-search ends in tragedy, and Hunter Biden's in a whole world of trouble. Right after this. Welcome back. The world was waiting for a miracle, but it wasn't to be. Thursday saw confirmation that all five occupants of the missing Titan submersible are dead after debris belonging to the deep-sea craft was found on the ocean floor. The submersible lost communication on Sunday morning, less than two hours into a dive to view the wreckage of the Titanic. What followed was a four-day search of the North Atlantic, spanning an area of more than 10,000 square miles. But Thursday's discovery brought the news no one wanted. The submersible likely imploded during its descent, killing everybody on board. Instantly, Rear Admiral John Major from the US Coast Guard made the announcement at a press conference. The debris is consistent with the catastrophic loss of the pressure chamber. On behalf of the United States Coast Guard and the entire Unified Command, I offer my deepest condolences to the families. Not everyone was sympathetic with the fate of the five explorers, however, with Titanic director and veteran of many submersible dives, James Cameron, launching a one-man media whirlwind after the debris was found. He appeared across multiple TV channels and was openly critical of the Ocean Gate Explorer vessel and team. Today, the collective we didn't remember the lesson of Titanic. These guys at OceanGate didn't, because the, the arrogance and the hubris that sent that ship to its doom is exactly the same thing that sent those people in that sub to their fate and I just think it's heartbreaking I think it's heartbreaking that it was it was so preventable U.S. President Joe Biden's son, Hunter, is set to plead guilty to two misdemeanor tax charges, according to court filings released by the Justice Department on Tuesday. He's also struck a deal with prosecutors which could help him avoid a felony gun conviction after he was accused of illegally possessing a firearm as a drug user. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said the agreement reeks of nepotism. It continues to show the two-tier system in America. If you were the president's leading political opponent... DOJ tries to literally put you in jail and give you prison time. If you are the president's son, you get a sweetheart Prosecutors say Hunter is actually being treated quite harshly on crimes that are not usually charged. Meanwhile, former US President Trump, who's just been indicted for allegedly mishandling government documents, says the National Archives just had to ask him nicely for him to give them back. Oh, and he admitted that he had the documents and knew they wanted them. Oops. I have every right to have those boxes. This is not a criminal thing. In fact, the only way Nara could ever get this back would be, please, 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 could we have it back? Eagle-Eyed Bridgerton fans will have spotted some sneak peeks at season three as part of Netflix's global Tudum event. The new season will focus on Penelope Featherton and Colin Bridgerton as Shonda Rhimes works her way through the Bridgerton books. Nicola Coughlin, who plays Penelope, wasn't giving any dates away, but she's really excited about her turn in the spotlight with co-star and bestie Luke Newton. I'm playing for both of us, Tashi. I think maybe we're disturbed by the fact that she could have been in this song like me. When we were teenagers. When we were teenagers. Hey, I love you. Hello. You've been listening to The Smart Seven. We'll be back tomorrow at 7 a.m. Hit that follow button and have a great day. Give us seven minutes. And we'll give you the world.